Hello and welcome to another uh, of Political Yeti's Politics Podcast. Um, I'm joined this week not by somebody from the SNP, like I was hoping to be ahead of their conference, uh, because that person has bailed on me at the very last minute. Uh, I'm tempted to name and shame, but all I'll say is uh, she is the MP who looks most like the sun. See if you can work that one out. Um, Instead, I'm only joined, but frankly, it's more than enough, uh, to be joined by, once again, John Walker, uh, political editor for the Birmingham Post and the Birmingham Mail. Hello. Hello. You're here. Yeah. And you're back from Birmingham. Back from Birmingham from the uh, Conservative Party conference, which was very exciting. Was it really exciting? Well, was it exciting because it was Tories or because it was in Birmingham? It was exciting, I think, for two reasons. For me, it was exciting that it was in Birmingham and the Conservatives were showing off their candidate for Mayor of the West Midlands, who is a guy called Andy Street, who until very recently was a Managing Director of John Lewis. Yeah. And... What's interesting about it is that this is the one mayoral contest that I think they have a proper chance of winning because they're going to be elections next year in Manchester, Liverpool, but uh, in West Midlands in Birmingham, they think they may actually win. So that was quite good fun. Well, they should win, surely. Everyone loves John Lewis. Has he got any connections to any particular Tory MPs? You don't have to say who. I've just heard a rumour. He's maybe it's not a maybe it's a, a fact, public fact. It's, life. I think it's a, a fact that he is a close friend of um, Michael Fabricant in Lichfield. I'd heard that. I didn't didn't know such a thing. Uh, well, there we go. You brought up Michael Fabricant. He was one of the main players at PMQs this week. Let's do this. It's PMQs in review. It's PMQs in review. It's PMQs in review. It's PMQs in review. Another party horn. Double party horn. Is that too much? Is that too much party horn these days? No, not at all. Okay. Uh, yeah, PMQs, at which uh, there was a little uh, contretemps involving uh, Michael Fabrican. Michael Fabrican and uh, Jeremy Corbyn, who upset him. It was a very strange business, right? So keep me right here. Um, Michael Fabrican had a closed question. This means that he has submitted his question in advance. Yes. And it was all about the performance of the economy and the adequacy of provision of public services in the West Midlands, right? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. He then followed that up by talking about his prostate cancer and the lack of prostate nurses or something, which I don't think has a lot to do with that closed no, question. He's, uh, he's well, that's not allowed, is it? But Well, the speaker chose to be kind to him, but the, the question had nothing to do with the issue he was meant to be talking about. But it was quite a, a touching story about how he um, was seriously ill. He said he had a... A problem with his prostate, which I think we assume means prostate cancer. He didn't actually say that, but um, yeah, uh, I think that's what it was. Um, that's what it appeared to mean. And how he was treated, had wonderful treatment at Birmingham's Queen Elizabeth Hospital, and everything was better. Yeah, but it's got nothing to do with the closed question. I mean, it's almost he just came across as a bit self-indulgent, shall we say? Maybe it's Prime Minister's Maybe. questions, and all he decided to go on about was his prostate, which. You know, I'm sure it was serious for him, but I'm not sure it was really holding the Prime Minister to account. Well, no, but he... Well, no, he actually did have a serious um, issue, which was lack of nurses and the need to get more nurses. All right, there's a... Well, I was quite interested because he'd had his health MOT. I've got mine next week because yes. I've turned 40, so you get a health MOT. It's quite exciting Yes. to find out what's wrong with me. Mm. Um, but, uh, yeah, the, I suppose the interesting point is he and a couple of other MPs, Tory MPs, raised issues of shortages in the NHS. Uh, there was, uh, what's her name, Victoria Prentice said something about 
a lack of mm. uh, specialists. It was to do with uh, neonatal stuff. Um, and there was somebody else raised the same thing. Oh, Philip Hullabone raised an issue of funding, a funding problem for his local NHS. Um, it's a bit weird given that Theresa May stood up at, in Birmingham and went, oh, we're the party of the NHS. And then her own side are going, yeah, my NHS isn't really working where I live. Can you fix it, please? Well, well, there's something happening um, somewhat behind the scenes, but it's about to come out into the open, which what? is the 22 billion of savings that the NHS has been asked to make. Yes. Local NHS bodies have been busy drawing up plans about how they're going to make these savings. Yeah. And they're going to publish the details either later, <coughs> excuse me, either later this month or certainly before Christmas. Now, what's happened is it, it varies in different parts of the country, uh. but some in some places the local MPs or councils or the local press have got wind of what's planned. Yeah. So there actually are going to be cuts all over the place, and that's why local that's why MPs, Tory MPs, are getting a bit anxious about this and they want to be seen to be protecting their local services. Right, so they like the NHS except mm. they have to make lots of cuts and they like savings except when it's in their area. That's a bit pathetic really, isn't it? Well, the thing is that the government is, in fact, increasing NHS funding uh, in real terms. Well, they're going to get £350 million a week, right? <laughs> uh, they're not going to get £350 million <gasps> a week. Are you suggesting that the Brexiteers were telling fibs? They, uh, they... They were big, fat liars. That's what they were, weren't they? Come on. They will tell you... That, that is a big, was, fat lie. It was a suggestion. It was a possibility. Uh, it wasn't presented as a suggestion, was it? And you know no, it, it wasn't. Um, what else was there at PMQs? Uh, we had Jeremy Corbyn doing some uh, rambling stuff about Europe. It Jeremy wasn't bad, Cor- but he rambles too much. He rambles too much, but you know what? He's... A lot better than he used to be. Well, yeah. and he's doing PMQs in the traditional way. He wears a suit. Yes. He doesn't uh, read out letters from members of the public. This is true. It's old politics, old-fashioned politics. And it's working better. It works a lot better. Oh, who'd have thought it? Yeah. Um, and we had Tim Farron getting shouted down, which I thought was pretty pathetic. Um, I didn't catch a hold of Tim Farron's question, to be honest. But no, I because think he got about... shouted down. No, yes. It was awful. Tipping old, what's his name, Speaker Burko. Mm. He loves to go on about, oh, the public will think this is awful if you're so noisy and shouty and all the rest of it. Yeah. It was disgraceful the way Tim Farron was shouted down and he didn't say a thing. So what, the public like it when Lib Dems are shouted down? Is that I what you're suggesting? I think Tim Farron gets a very harsh, uh, the, the wrong end of the stick. It gets treated badly. He gets left, he wasn't quite last this time. I don't think he was quite left no, last, but the Speaker but it was very after near the end. leaves him until, yes, yeah. very nearly end. Doesn't protect him. Um, in the way that he protects other MPs. When well, that's being outrageous. Yeah, I don't know what it is. It just yeah. The problem is that the speaker likes to go on about the public won't like this. Mm. Well, you can't say that and then not then go. Oh, well, it's only Tim Farron. The public won't mind if he gets shouted down. Yeah, it undermines his own credibility by doing that. I I think you're absolutely right. I can agree. Yes, and I the speaker am. has a history, I think, of choosing members of parliament that he is happy to be happy for them to be seen as figures of fun. Yes, and he does have favourites as well. Yes. Um, this issue of calling people right at the end. I mean, Tim where right was right at the end of the official list. And then he kept calling other people who just had their own little mm. pet subject that they wanted to raise, which is kind of fair enough, but he kept going and kept going. It was um, know, a bit much. Anyway, there we go. It was an interesting PMQs, I suppose, overall. Yes. Oh, and we had Angus Robertson, of course. Angus Robertson and his question about um, foreign workers. 
to which the Prime Minister said, <laughs> I just answered that, shut up. Well, and in fairness, she... Which was uh, an interesting tactic. I'm not sure she had answered it, but she had been asked it. Yeah. Um, and given some sort of answer. So it was right, and um, he clearly hadn't been... Either he hadn't been paying attention to the debate, or more likely he had been, but because he'd already prepared his question in advance, just decided to ask it anyway. I thought it was interesting, because obviously a lot of people talk up Angus Robertson as being, you know, you can rely on him at PMQs to actually ask a proper question. Yes. Um, and he's been quite successful. But here was Theresa May, and she did make him look like a bit of a wally. And I think that's the first time since he sort of became... You know, since the SNP's an army and he had his part, rights as third party to ask two questions a week, yeah. that he's really been put in his place like that. As you say, he's done rather well in the past, though. Yeah. But um, on this occasion, it was his own fault. I mean, he did ask a question which literally had been asked by somebody else just sort of five minutes previously. Yeah, but it was interesting that, I say, Theresa May put it away. It was like a, a bad ball in cricket and she just smacked it, mm. um, which sometimes uh, doesn't happen. Um, this afternoon, let's move on to what's going on now, uh, which is a debate about scrutiny over Brexit. Um, that there should be a parliamentary vote on Brexit. Yes. Does anybody really care about this in real life? No. Well, some people do. I think some people see this as possibly a way of either reversing the decision, the referendum decision, or ensuring that we don't entirely leave the EU. I, I think that we have. I, I was a Remainer. I voted Remain. I think Ooh. we just have to accept that we're going to leave. You know, British people voted to leave. And all this talk about hard Brexit and a soft Brexit, what they voted for was what people are calling a hard Brexit, to leave the European Union. But we don't know what people voted for. It's, that's the trouble with referendums. Well, no, they voted to leave. That's all. It's yes. the only thing anybody voted for. Well, yes, but all this... You don't know. I mean, everybody who voted had a different vision of what leave meant. No, I think it's clear that it means actually leaving the European Union and its institutions and not being part of it anymore. I mean, the only people who really question that are the people who never wanted us to leave in the first place. And I mean, I, I'm one of them, in fairness. I didn't want to leave. Well, all right, you might be right. I mean, the, the point is, isn't it, that there's a, a, a suspicion that this is MPs, like you say, trying to sort of water it down or, or you know, put the brakes on this hard Brexit. Mm. Um, and there is a weird... Uh, anti-MP thing in a couple of newspapers today going, oh, these people should not be allowed to to do this. But the whole point is we elect our MPs because they're, like, good and smart and they don't do necessarily what the public wants. They, You know, it comes back to that argument about uh, the death penalty. Yes. If you had a referendum, death penalty would be brought back. All right, that's, that's the bottom line. But MPs don't go for it. Well, that's a good argument against having a, a referendum. And, well, exactly. Um, this is the whole point of MPs. This is what they're supposed to do. They but, know better. But sadly, we did. <laughs> they do know better. That's why you have them, isn't yeah. it? Well, no, you're, you're absolutely right. But we did have a referendum, sadly. I didn't want to have a referendum. Yeah, but, but, we... but the, the point is the MPs have gone, right, we've had a referendum, mm -hmm. but we need to make the best of it, right? Well, And that was where they step in and go, all right, you've all had your say, people. Now we're going to take over and try and make the best of this for everyone. I mean, but there are fundamentalists going, no, no, keep out of the way. We're going to go headlong into, you know, something that's really not going to be very clever for the rest of the country. Well, I have to say, once a decision's been made, it's up to the, the government, to the executive, to try to carry it out. And the idea of 
MPs in some way trying to get involved in the negotiations with well, the European Union and trying to work out exactly how we're going to leave and on what terms. I mean, that has to be something that the government, that the Prime Minister, that the Foreign Secretary, that civil servants are doing. The, the House of Commons as a whole can't be there in that room. They can't imagine that they're going to sort of pour through these documents and start getting into talks with Angela Merkel about what goes on next. But shouldn't they have a say on the final arrangement? The final arrangement, they, I'm not certain that the United Kingdom in any form has any real say on the final arrangement. I mean, but imagine if there was a vote in the House of Commons and they voted no. What would happen? I mean, the Prime Minister cannot just dictate to... She's going to have... Theresa May is going to have to take what she's given. And um, the House of Commons, I'm afraid, is just going to have to to accept it. All right, here's the most interesting thing about all this Brexit stuff that's been going on this week. Um, It's got interesting this week. And it's got interesting because Keir Starmer's involved. Keir yes. Starmer has come to save the world, Europe, Britain, the Labour Party. Um, he's done. He's got off to a cracking start as shadow Brexit secretary. He's making the running on this, which Labour haven't been doing for the last 12, 18 months. Well, he, Labour seem to have suddenly recruited some fairly um, competent people to the shadow cabinet and people who actually trying to do their jobs to the best of their ability, which perhaps wasn't always entirely true under Jeremy Corbyn. And here's the thing. Keir Starmer is going for a whole new strategy to win the Labour leadership. Really? He's going to be good. He's (laughs) going to to make a good job of being Brexit. Instead of Owen Smith going, look, vote for me because I'm as left-wing as Jeremy, but I'm competent, and then doing lots of incompetent things throughout his campaign. Yes. Keir Starmer is going to be competent, go, look, I made the running, I held the government to account... I did good stuff in a big job. Now make me leader, and it will work. I don't. Well, it may, may work one day, but uh, I think Jeremy Corbyn is here to stay until until he decides to go. Until either he decides to go because he possibly loses an election. Although even then, we don't know if he'll actually quit. But I mean, the yeah, time has got to come when he chooses it because he's old. He, the, he is. He's very old. <laughs> And uh, how long he really wants to be in this job remains to be seen. But um, I don't think the Labour membership will accept any attempt to get rid of him. It's just not going to happen. If people try to get rid of him, that just bolsters his support. Well, I think Keir Starmer's established himself as one to watch. Mm. I've heard there's been a lot of talk about him for the last few years, and he hasn't really showed himself to be living up to it but he is now one of the big problems Sir that the, um, circus time, that the Labour moderates or Blairites or whatever you want to call them have had is a lack of talent frankly I mean yeah. there have been people who we know are talented like Yvette Cooper who stood for the leadership last year but they, they don't show it she didn't show it during the leadership campaign she has actually done some fantastic work uh, since then on uh, supporting refugees and bringing those issues out but um during the leadership contest, she was terrible. They were all yeah. terrible. Yeah. Um, indeed. Sir Keir Starmer, he's wonderful. And he's called Keir. Mm. I mean, come on, that's got to count with the crazy it's momentum characters because that's the same name, name as Keir Hardy. Mm. Where, where's it from? Do you know? Is it Welsh or? Keir Hardy was Scottish, wasn't Scottish. he? Scottish. Wasn't he? Oh, this is a bit well, embarrassing. You... <laughs> uh, anyway, it doesn't matter. He's got the same name as Keir Hardy, so the momentum okay. characters have got to like that, right? Um, I'm sure your, your listeners will have plenty to say about that. Well, I hope so. Uh, finally, uh, SNP conference coming up this weekend. You going, John? No. Um, oh, no, no interest in Birmingham in the in the SNP. 
Uh, I want to know when we're going to have this second independence referendum. During the wow. EU campaign, we were told that if Britain votes to leave the EU or the United Kingdom votes to leave the EU, but Scotland doesn't, it would um, lead to a schism. It would lead to a fresh demand for independence. Well, yes. And interestingly, despite that, England went, don't really care. See you, Scotland. Mm. Um, well, we shall see. There's a lot of people hoping that... Uh, Nicola Sturgeon is going to make some big announcement at really? conference. Uh, I have heard she's going to say something tomorrow morning. I don't know what. I mean, oh, you know, I something could mean anything. Let's say so. Um, but that's just rumour at this stage. Who knows what she'll come out with. Um, but I'm sure it'll be all fun and games. And maybe next week my SNP guest will actually turn up and we can pick over the bones of SNP conference uh, next week. Um, okay, listen, we will uh, finish there. Uh, if you know the um, origins of the name Kia, do get in touch. And in fact, uh, I am planning a couple of weeks, you'll like this, John. I am planning a special podcast in which I shall find a politician to be interviewed by me and my eight year old daughter. Um, if you want to nominate an MP, a politician that you think would be suitable for uh, a grilling by an eight year old girl, um, please get in touch. I am politicalyeti at gmail.com or at politicalyeti on Twitter. Um, you got any ideas, John? Who would be good to be interviewed by an eight year old? One of the breaks of tears. Ooh, Liam Fox. Yeah. So okay. she can ask what's happened to her future. Okay. Uh, well, there we go. There's the first one. We'll, we'll put a bid in for him. But um, any others you think would be good to get in touch. And uh, tune in next week for another of uh, Political Yeti's Politics podcasts with me, James Miller. Thank you. <laughs>